0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, July the 1st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1838, Charles Darwin, he presented his paper on, guess what? Yeah, you know, evolution to the elite of London, the Linnean Society. Today, in 1867, Canada became a self-governing dominion of Great Britain, that was uh, according to a British North America Act that took effect. Today, on July 1, 1863, the pivotal three-day Civil War battle at Gettysburg resulted in a Union victory. It all began that had begun in Pennsylvania. Today, in 1944, delegates from 44 countries began meeting at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. They agreed enthusiastically to establish the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. Today in nineteen forty six the United States exploded a twenty kiloton atomic bomb near Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. Today in nineteen sixty one, Diana, Princess of Wales, she was born. She died in nineteen ninety seven, as the world knows, in a crash, car crash in Paris. She was thirty six. When she died, but she was born today in 1961. Today in 1963, the U.S. Post Office inaugurated its five-digit zip codes. I remember that. I thought, man, how are we going to (laughs) remember? Anyway, that was today in 1963. Today in 1966, the Medicare Federal Insurance Program went into effect. And today in 1991, President George H.W. Bush nominated Federal Appeals Court Judge Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. Beginning almost immediately was a barrage to undermine Clarence Thomas and not allow him to be seated on the Supreme Court. Was it racist? I don't know. Probably not. It was probably more his ideology. He is an absolutely dependable conservative, constitutionalist. Do you know who the protagonist was? The guy who really led the charge to get rid of Clarence Thomas? Joe Biden. Senator Joe Biden. I had not seen anything in our government like that in 1991. I watched that. I was riveted to that whole disaster that played out. I had never seen anything like it. They brought in this Anita Hill and all this stuff trying to bring this guy down. And I haven't seen that kind of a concerted effort to get rid of someone until Trump. I have it. It was an amazing time, but he was seated. George HW Bush was not a conservative by most all (laughs) measurements. Um, I supported his son, George W. I thought he truly was conservative. I have been disappointed in him since then. I mean, I I guess I shouldn't have been. I knew his wife and his mother and were very pro-abortion. And his daughters were, you know, they followed their mother and grandmother in their thinking. But that whole deal with Clarence Thomas was unbelievable. They had succeeded, the Biden group had succeeded in destroying the the nomination of Bork, Robert Bork, who was equally qualified to be on the Supreme Court, a constitutionalist, a conservative. Anyway, we remember. And things move forward. Apparently, Mayor Durkin, Seattle's Mayor Durkin, is rethinking her affair with the people, the citizens of CHOP. And their summer of love. Heavy heavy equipment moved in. Officers moved in. Tactical vehicles moved in this morning, early this morning, on Capitol Hill. Mayor Jenny Durkin was up early. She declared, quote, an unlawful assembly requiring immediate action. And so they're taking action and they're clearing off the hill today. The affair is over. It's no longer the summer of love. It's no longer the festival. It has gotten real now. All of a sudden, you know, progressives, there's always a point where progressives have to deal with reality. But they like to live in kind of a a zone that's kind of neither this nor that fluid, as they like to say. Well, she's been in the fluid zone, but she got moved into the reality zone eventually after three or four shootings and people were killed and all of this kind of thing in the six block square of this country, this foreign country that was established there. She's also asking the city council to investigate council member, uh, Kashama Sawant. I think she's upset. I think Sawant was part of that protest. I talked about it on this program, the protest that in Olympia that went to the mayor's house in Olympia. I talked about it a few days ago and, um, I think she was part of that demonstration. I'm not positive, but I think she was. And I also think that Sawant, who is a, a socialist, uh, I mean, she's really a communist, but she, she's a declared socialist and whatever. I think she was in one of the demonstrations that were was at least near uh, Durkin's house as well. I'm not sure, but she's really been getting under Mayor Durkin's skin I mean, they were celebrating her a while back, you know, because she's so far, far left. Well, that affair seems to be over as well. Not going well for Durkin, but she'll she'll rise and become more conservative and take some actions. She's doing that this morning. Demonstrators in Pasco yesterday were heckling Governor Jay Inslee. He set up a little podium outside, you know, on the lawn or wherever they were there at at the college, Columbia Basin College. And uh, these hecklers started giving him a bad time. He doesn't like people to disagree with him, especially if they do so, you know, loudly. I don't know these people. I obviously wasn't there. But anyway, uh, he was trying to lay out his his doctrine uh, regarding COVID-19. And it's very important. I'm not minimizing it, but. I'm just saying that these guys started heckling him, and um, he finally had to you know, fold it up and go inside. So they did. But the Seattle Times this morning is trying to explain all that to the people, that it wasn't as it might have seemed. There aren't actually citizens that disagree with Inslee. What they're saying in part in a a story this morning, they're saying TV coverage of the scene showed perhaps a few dozen protesters, but only a handful of them were shouting at the governor. The few individuals shouting expletives and conspiracies at the governor and the media were asked repeatedly to be respectful, and they wouldn't be, so they they chose to continue shouting expletives and conspiracies. I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying it's interesting how these things get spun right out of the get-go. They probably were doing that. There are a lot of people in Washington State that do not support Inslee. There just aren't enough so far. The USMCA, the, that's the deal that replaces NAFTA. It went into effect at midnight today. It's a model for all future trade agreements, President Trump says. At midnight today, the United States, Canada, Mexico agreement, USMCA, went into effect. It replaces the outdated North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. Trump has often said it was the worst deal he's ever seen, and he's seen a lot of deals. That's what he's done with his life before this. President Trump was elected in part on his promise, a, a release says, from his office to change the direction of U.S. trade policy so it would put America first. He's kept his promise with the new trade agreements and tough enforcement actions that break down foreign trade barriers, protect America's competitive edge, and stop the outsourcing of U.S. jobs. That was run in a number of newspapers around the country this morning, and uh, I lifted this from one, and it was not covered here in the Northwest as far as I could see, but... I suspect it will be, and it will not be necessarily positive, but it is a very positive thing. 2.37 million jobs were added in June. The report is out this morning. May has been revised up, the month of May, to 5.2 million, which was record-setting before. Now it's more than it was, as they have recounted and run all the, all of the whatever they do to come up with these numbers, the, the government. This is not Trump's office. Joe Biden announced yesterday, he said, if I'm elected president, I will reverse Trump's tax cuts. Well, the tax cuts are in part what's driving the economy to record highs before the, uh, the COVID virus. But um, Biden's going to reverse all that. I I was surprised that he announced that. I guess he's just listening to the group that he's in, and they're all saying, we've got to get rid of these tax cuts. But that's what's driving the economy, and if people are paying attention, they're going to hear that. They're going to say, "Wow, well, I'm not surprised, but he's really serious about reversing all this. And it'll have a major impact on the economy. And thus, you know, all of us ordinary folks out here across America. I was thinking this morning early, I was thinking, you know, God is doing things in our culture, in our personal lives, in our families today. There's so many things that are coming at us that we have to deal with this Covid nineteen, this Wuhan virus, uh, the economy, the just all of it, and now they they're saying there's a new you know virus similar to the swine flu that looks like it could be getting you know in China could be getting some momentum, and they're expressing some concerns. I suppose some of those concerns are politically motivated, but some perhaps are not. But we'll see what happens. But I just I was. I had my Bible open, honestly, I was praying this morning earlier, and it just opened, I mean, it happened to fall to a verse, and I'll just pass it along to you. It's a verse you know, but it's found in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says in the King James, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are they your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is doing something significant and significantly eternal through all of the things that we're dealing with in the world, but in our nation today. Jeremiah, the prophet, he was talking about difficult times, challenges. Chapter 33, when he said, "'Call unto me,' speaking for the Lord, the prophet." Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. All of these kinds of promises and assurance cause Paul to write, what shall we then say in Romans chapter 8? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? I want to leave you with this word today before we move on to the news of the day. God is for us. God is for you as an individual. God wants to bless you. He wants the best for you. And sometimes the best is walking through the most challenging, difficult, unbelievable circumstances that we can ever expect in life. Sometimes it is. Does God cause these things? No. But God works through them because he loves you that much and loves me. And he allows us to go through things. The Bible is full. This isn't a a Bible teaching session. or I would dive into this. But the Bible teaches in multiple places that it is through these trials, through these difficulties, through the challenges, that God brings about a work in our personal lives that is his will for us that we would be the people that he wants us to become as we walk with him. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect until we're with him. But we're in a process of sanctification or in a process of becoming in our lives. And God wants the best because God sees the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We are not. We live and we leave, as it is said. So our lives are very temporary. God is eternal, and God sees the best for us. So through all of these things, they're difficult. We have to deal with them. I mean, we have to, we live in a real world with real consequences. But just remember that God is for you, not against you. God loves you. He knows what's going on. He knows how it's impacting you. And He's in control. Never. Ever. Forget that. That's not my word. That's God's word. Disney and Nickelodeon, they once limited their enthusiasm for the gay movement, the LGBTQ plus, 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 whatever. Their social agenda to media platforms, social media. But now they're broadcasting commercials placing this homosexual agenda squarely in front of America's children. They are, well, we're praying for our kids, P-R-A-Y. They're praying on our kids, P-R-E-Y. They're declaring that June was one of the successful and most gratified, gratifying months, <laughs> they're not calling it indoctrination, but of education that they have had in recent years. Disney, Walt Disney's company. June was one of the most successful months they've ever had. Boy, I'll tell you, public schools across the nation open this fall. They better—they too are significantly expanding their curriculum on these LGBTQ plus issues. Seattle Public School Board has even pledged to rename at least one school after some homosexual activist this year. This year. You need to be informed. I had to think of Walt Disney. I didn't know Walt Disney. I knew his cousin, (laughs) a guy. He was a preacher, actually an evangelist but I didn't know Walt Disney I mean most of us didn't but everybody kind of feels like they know Walt Disney. Walt Disney told the story of how he used to take his kids to the park and he always he used to think man we need a park that you know where the parents can enjoy coming and he spoke often about how vulgar he wasn't I don't know if he was a Christian I don't think he was I mean I never knew him to make a testimony of faith in Christ but he was a decent person for sure very creative obviously but he used to say often he gets he said I get sick and tired of the vulgarities at these places these parks and and amusement places for families he said that repeatedly so it was something that was important to him. so out of that sprung well what he called the happiest place on earth but boy I'll tell you happy has now become gay. <laughs> The June commercial, sponsored and aired by Disney, it featured smiling this Raven Simone, an actress who's lesbian, discussing LGBTQ pride to kids. She doesn't use the word. She purposely avoids using the words gay or lesbian, but she communicates the message very effectively. I wrote an article on this today, and you can read the article at Faith and Freedom, faithandfreedom.us. Dot US. There are lots of Faith and Freedoms out there today. There were none as far as we could find back in 2003 and 4 when we started Faith and Freedom Foundation. But there are many of them out there today. In fact, we have legally had to put my name on the ministry, on this ministry. It's a nonprofit ministry. And we had to redo it and put my name on it so that people would know that it's not us. There's a Muslim site that's faith and freedom. There's a there's a college that looks pretty solid. They they're now faith and freedom. There's a whole bunch of faiths and freedoms. So faithandfreedom.us. That's us. You'll know when you get there. If you don't see me or somebody, some guy there you know, it'll you'll know you got the wrong one. But it is important because we get a lot of that. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'll tell you about it someday. But anyway, in the ad, she says we're in a new age where it's not just black and white anymore. We have purple and red and entire rainbow. She's telling your kids and little kids across the country. She continues. I put the ad in the uh, the article I wrote today. You can click it and watch it. She said, everybody wants to be treated with respect, and it's beautiful. I love being able to come together, all ages, all colors, celebrating the unity of being our authentic selves. Pride, to me, is strength. Pride is selfless. Pride is friends. Pride is you. Boy, you talk about seductive. This message is set against a rainbow and the Disney logo. I mean, who doesn't trust Disney? Well, a lot of us anymore. I mean, we're catching on to where they're going. But the ad features another ad features this uh, Amanda Stenberg. She's also a, a well known activist lesbian. And she's well-known to kids because of her starring a role in The Hunger Games. The commercial with her features images well-known to be associated with the LGBTQ movement, with all this background you know, interaction with the voice and the visuals and the image. Very well done. And this narrator in the back says, as the little spot ends, it says, We still have a long way to go, but powerful voices like Amanda are helping us become prouder together. The responses from adults are mixed. Some are saying, what are you doing to my kids? Others are praising what they're doing, saying, oh, this is so wonderful. Well, these five-year-old kids, six, seven, eight-year-old kids, sit in front of their TV and their parents say, well, they're okay there. They're watching Disney. Well, they're not okay. And parents and grandparents need to be aware of this. The activists don't care what parents think. They really don't because they're focused on what the five-year-old kid thinks and they've got his mind when, he's, when they've got his eyes or hers. And they've successfully planted the seed in the mind of the child sometimes before the parent even knows the seed was planted. And they're introducing the five, six, seven-year-old kid to something they should never be introduced to at that stage in their life and in a way they should never be introduced to at any age because it's activism, it's indoctrination, And it's advocacy. They're not doing this in a vacuum. They are advocating this lifestyle. They proceed with great anticipation as they see these seeds begin to take root in America's government-run schools. There is an alliance, it isn't formal, but it certainly exists, between entertainment and government-run education. This week the Seattle Public School Board came out with their LGBTQ plus vision for the coming year. Seattle Times said yesterday that Seattle, quote, Seattle could soon see a, a school name after Marsha P. Johnson, James Baldwin, Cheryl Chow, or another LGBTQ plus individual. They have committed to renaming a school and their schools lining up, wanting to say, Hey, pick me, pick me. We want to do our school for one of these I don't know. The Times said under a new resolution, the school board passed unanimously this Pride Month to support queer youth identity, and they're moving the agenda forward. Some of the items I looked at their deal, I I linked to that in this article as well. Some of the things they're advocating there, and they've already approved it. I mean, they're on the move. This isn't like where they're thinking about it. They're doing it. They're creating a new LGBTQ plus culture and identity curriculum. <laughs> Include and all, They're including an all-genders bathroom in every and any new school construction project. They're offering LGBTQ plus sensitivity training to all staff. You Christian teachers in public schools, and I know many of you, some in my own family, get ready because here they come. And you're going to have to step through this because of your job. It isn't right for the kids. It isn't right for the teachers because that's not education. It's indoctrination. It's advocacy. It's perversion. Rename one school this year in honor of an LGBTQ plus activist. The district will also, according to this action that they took and was reported yesterday, the district will also be required to survey all schools, and report back on how many have gender-inclusive bathrooms. We're back to that bathroom thing. They can't get past that. The school district's obsession with bathrooms and curriculum is not a passing interest. They want to rewrite curriculum, and they want all the kids to go to the same bathroom, basically. Zachary DeWolf, he's the board president, he's the first openly gay member, he says that they will enforce the agenda. He said, we have to enforce the agenda. He said, quote, people assume that institutions will be good on their own, but unless we write it into policy, it won't happen. Boy, well, he's pretty committed. Don't, un- don't underestimate the resolve to support Disney's new age of sexuality. You'll also note that the resolution... If you read and look at the resolution, it focuses on the difficulties that LGBTQ kids have to deal with, promising that these and other similar actions by the board will help your children. In other words, the deeper into the deep end of the pool we dive on this LGBTQ+++, plus plus plus, they got all this stuff they've added on there now, the better off the kids will be. That's entirely wrong. That's a lie. Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, his organization, they do a lot of good work. He's released a report called Sex Education in Public Schools, The Sexualization of Children and LGBT Indoctrination. Every parent and grandparent should read that. I put that in this article as well. We There's no benefit to our organization or ministry. I mean, it would be nice if there was There isn't. If people go on our... I know some websites, commercial ones, our, their revenue is based on how many visitors. We don't... Our full... Only support for this ministry is those who listen to this radio program and read what we write. That's our full source. So there's nothing for us to be gained. And I, I've had a couple of people that are critics say, yeah, Gary's trying to drive traffic. I'm not, because there is no ba- monetary value to it. the The value is in being informed, and that's what we're about. And that's all we're about, being informed from a biblical perspective. But if you go on there, I I attach it, it's a law. it's like 50 pages or something. But I attach that. You can read parts of it or all of it if you want. But, well, I'll tell you, every parent and grandparent should be aware of that and should read it. All across the country, this is pervasive. California, Illinois are are putting now policies in public schools in whole districts where parents are not allowed to opt out. Of the school districts, and in some of the cases where the parents are are doing it anyway, they're just keeping their kids home. There is discussion, public discussion, about not telling the parents, and then just springing this material, this this homosexual material, on the kids when they go to class someday. So the parents don't know. The parents find out when the kid comes home and tells them. In many cases, but the seed has been planted, and that's the whole point of this. It's really, really sad. When you know that education in America was founded by Christians, the first number of colleges, it wasn't until 1861, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, was the first school in America in 1861, 72 years after our founding, that was founded by atheists. All the rest of them, up to that time, were founded by Christians. Well, we're out of time. I have more to say, but not the time to say it. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. See you right here tomorrow.